Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Gareth, Ricky, and Milo. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Hello, Steph. Evening, Steph. Excellent. Good to uh, see you all. This week, we get to put our Paratici party hats on as The Game Is About Glory goes all director of football. Or should that be directors of football? And runs the rule over the Spurs squad as it sits right here, right now, in the first week of June 2022. We might even speculate a bit here and there as to who might come in. But let's start by looking back at the week that was. Ivan Perisic, is there anything else to say? Well, actually, there is quite a lot. First of all, I really wanted him at the club and I'm delighted to see that he is here. Thank you very much for listening, Fabio. Thank you very much for listening, Antonio. It's nice to know that you're heard by these people when you tell them the players they should be signing. Of course, Ivan Perisic might have had a relationship with Antonio Conti at Inter Milan the club that he is joining us from on a free transfer. He's going to join up with us on the 1st of July when his contract officially expires and the deal with us will run until 2024. Uh, he has won the Champions League. He's won the Bundesliga twice, Serie A once, Coppa Italia once, DFB Pokal, the German Cup, for those who don't know what that is, three times, the Italian Super Cup once and the German Super Cup once. He also made a World Cup final appearance in 2018. And if you saw his video... Uh, that the club put up of him spending the day at the you know at White Hart Lane and in and around the facilities, you will have noticed that he has the most unfeasibly fit physique I think I've ever seen for someone of his age. So any worries that his batteries are going to run out, you can scratch him off. I think it's a fantastic signing. Are we in agreement, guys? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah definitely. No brainer. And uh, he's just itching to tell you about this next bit of news in the week that was so i cannot restrain him anymore milo just run with this because i know you're dying to dying to deliver this news pierre luigi Collini, um the club announced earlier in the week that he'll be leaving us after his loan spell with us um he made 10 appearances for us last season oh and steph wrote a bad joke in there after that which i'll uh, i'll save you the uh, the pain of having to hear yeah, no, you won't, because I'm going to say it. And I'm sure Pierluigi would forgive us for punning that as far as his Spurs career goes, that's a wrap. Uh, that was a, yeah, there was a field of crickets and a light fart in there as a reaction to that. So uh, let's just move on to other departures that happened this week, shall we? Before, you know, before I do that, though, we should acknowledge that Pierluigi's uh, contribution to the dressing room morale was excellent. And that's not, I don't mean that in a trivial fashion at all. Very often when you're a fringe player, who gets very little time, it's easy to lose interest, but he was by all accounts a very active and positive member of the the squad. And, you know, you can't have too many people like that. I mean, in this case, you probably could because we're getting rid of him, but you know what I'm saying. Thank you very much for the work you did do, Pierluigi. And thank you also for not releasing any more singles. Other departures this week, uh, the development squad players that are leaving us are Janil Bennett, Kasper Karilowicz, who we mentioned last week, Dermi Lusala, Timothy Latutala, Josh Oluwemi, Toby Amole, and Isak Solberg. That's following the conclusion of their contracts. Uh, and under 18 players, Jez Davis, Jordan Hackett, Calon Hazeman, Ronaldo Torraj, and Oliver Turner have also departed following the conclusion of their scholarships. It's never easy uh, when your career uh, moves on in this fashion, and we wish all of those players the very best of luck in their future endeavours. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting. It's four goalkeepers amongst those development squad players who are leaving. So that in, or in, in addition to, say, Galini leaving. Now, presumably, there must be some keepers in the under-18s who are going to be promoted, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see us bringing in some players from outside because that's a lot of players in one position to leave 
in one go. I think there's probably an, an element of players f- realizing they're probably not going to get the game time that they want, and they probably decide it's both in their interest and the club interests if they if they go elsewhere. But they, I know at least I know of at least one of those players who's already got another Premier League club lined up to go to and those conversations would have happened in advance Mm. of the actual release so I think there's all sorts of conversations that go on in the background that we wouldn't be privy to and you know a lot of these players you you find out will pick up new clubs sooner rather than later. In the case of Amole I mean he's 22 now and I think he's made the bench a couple of times for the first team but not much more than that so really you know we need to be moving if they're not if they're not getting game time they're not looking like they're going to press onto the first team then really all they're doing is blocking other players coming through. If they stay around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Toby Amoli is 23. So just for context, he's um, a couple of years older than than Oliver Skip. He's a year older than Kulisevsky and Sessignon. Oh, yeah. And and older than Emerson Royale as well. For um, a- anyone looking for a book to read over the summer holiday, this segues really nicely. Anthony Potts, who was a Spurs player who um, came up through the youth system in the late 80s and early 90s and was then released because of a very nasty knee injury, released a book fairly recently called Losing My Spurs. It's a really good book. He was very close with Gaza because they both ruptured cruciate ligaments around the same sort of time. So there's some really good stories in there. And it does give you the story of a player who gets released from a leading Premier League club at that sort of age. So definitely worth a read if, if that's the sort of thing that piques your interest. Raul was the victim of an attempted armed robbery in Sao Paulo last week. Raul was taking photos with an off-duty police officer outside a nightclub before being targeted by a thief who drew a gun and demanded his belongings. Uh, the police officer chased after the thief and exchanged gunfire with him whilst Raul escaped unharmed, ran for cover. Um, I think the local media was saying that there was a t- 29 shots exchanged before the officer um, shot the thief in the back. Royale said on Instagram, I'll be forever grateful to you. God sends angels to earth. This is confirmed every day in my life. This human being, I call him an angel, risked his own life to save mine. I'm getting big kind of diehard vibes from this. I think this police officer yeah. was... Um, John McLean. A lot of shots going on, certainly. <laughs> 29. Yeah, I mean, all jokes aside, mm. I think it's really frightening. I mean, can you imagine being in that situation? I mean, I can't. Emerson, we're absolutely delighted that all is okay. And uh, yeah, really intense news, that one. That's a really intense item for the week that was, for sure. In our international roundup, we'll start with Argentina over Italy at Wembley in the Finalissima, which is a renewal of the contest between the champions of Europe and South America, where Christian Romero and Gia Lacelso started for Argentina in their 3-0 victory. Devan Kulisewski, uh, our ginger from Sweden, scored a peach of a solo goal in Sweden's 2-0 win away at Slovenia. Son Young-Min started for South Korea in their 5-1 loss to Brazil. Steven Bergwijn, meanwhile, scored a wonder goal for the Netherlands as they hammered Belgium 4-1 in the King Baldwin Stadium. Uh, There is a natural follow-on to what I've just read, and I will save that follow-on for later in the show because he is a player that will come up in discussion. Pierre-Emile Hoybier put in a great performance as Denmark came back from being a goal down to beating Hugo Lloris' France 2-1 in Paris. Brian Hill bagged a brace for Spain's under-21s in their 6-0 thrashing of Northern Ireland in Larne. Papa Matassar played 90 minutes for Senegal as they beat Benin 3-1 in their opening qualifier for the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations. And, wow, I just reading this just really kind of gets me. Harry Kane played 90 minutes for England 
in that laboured one nil defeat to Hungary in Budapest. I mean, come on, Gareth. It's really not necessary. If you're not going to pick Eric Dyer because you want to look at younger players, why not look at younger players in Harry's position in games like this when he could do with the rest? Anyway, despite being ordered to play the game behind closed doors as punishment for racist and homophobic behaviour by Hungary's fans during Euro 2020, a large crowd of school children were in attendance thanks to someone finding a a back road or a, a slip clause, if you will, in the rules. And they subsequently very sadly took up the mantle of their uh, predecessor supporters there and booed the England players when they took the knee. So clearly there is a lot of work to be done in Hungary. And once again, you'd have to say there's a lot of work to be done with UEFA. What a surprise, UEFA in fucking it up shocker. The same thing happened to uh, Rangers, if you remember, yep. against uh, Slavia Prague, where yes. there was the racist mm. um, uh, abuse of one of the players, and then uh, when the when the leg was played in Prague, there was a stadium ban there, but they let school kids in, and school kids followed suit. So there's been a precedent for that. Yep. Again, well done UEFA for getting that one uh, completely wrong. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Wales beat Ukraine one nil to book a place at their first World Cup since 1958. Ben Davis and Joe Rodon played 90 minutes. It's fair to say that Ben Davis was, uh, I thought, spectacular and behind keeper Hennessy, uh, the, the man of the match, putting in the sort of, I think he put in sort of heroic blocks that we've become very used to seeing in the, in the last few weeks of the season with us. It puts Wales in a group with England, USA and Iran, that group being Group B. Wales will play England on, <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous to read this, Tuesday the 29th of November at 7pm in the World Cup Finals. And it will be on the BBC for listeners in the UK. <laughs> wow. Sentences I never thought I'd read in my lifetime. Not the bit about Wales being in a World Cup even there. It's, it's to do with the time and the date. We're recording this on a Sunday night, as we tend to. And as we speak, Christian Romero was given the night off and La Celso was on the bench as Argentina faced Estonia. And Decky started for Sweden against Norway. Milo, do you have any updates? Uh, Argentina won 5-0. <laughs> Messi with five goals. <laughs> Sweden lost 2-1 to Norway and uh, our boy didn't get on the score sheet but he got off the pitch in one piece and everything's okay right I haven't got any kind of red flashing lights going around so I think it's fine yeah I mean these are increasingly uh, concerns for me is all these I mean you know I think it's well spoken I think we said this before I think the Nations League is is is, is just ridiculous especially in at this time and in this year it's just absurd it's you know and I know the Guardian have been writing stories about how it's very important to keep an eye on the, you know, player welfare. But clearly, once again, uh, my friends at UEFA, our friends at UEFA, seem to be ignoring that mandate. I wonder, I wonder why. Hmm. Couldn't be to do with money, could it? Anyway, that rounds off the week that was. Um, now is our squad review, and what we're going to do is we're going to look at each area of the team and discuss who stays, who goes, who we loan out, and who is available at the right price. We will thus determine whether Tottenham Hotspur Football Club 2022-23 are in need of a total rebuild or just a tweak, nip and tuck. Before we start, let's do a bit of housekeeping. Milo, would you would you help me with this? Would you help me run through the housekeeping bit? Yeah, of course. So the Premier League transfer window runs from the 10th of June uh, through till 11pm BST on the 1st of September. Uh, pre-season training begins at the beginning of July with players on international duty expected to return a week later. Uh, we depart for South Korea on the 9th of July and play our first friendly of pre-season against uh, a K-League team in Seoul on Wednesday the 13th of July. We go on to play Sevilla in South Korea on the 16th of July. We're back home and then up to Scotland to play Rangers in Glasgow on the 23rd of July and finish our pre-season with a match against Roma 
in Haifa in Israel on Saturday the 30th of July. The Premier League season kicks off on Saturday the 6th of August, so we've pretty much got a full month of Premier League football before the uh, transfer window closes. And just in terms of our current squad, for our list here, we've got 29 first-team squad members, which includes incoming and outgoing loans. So players like Romero and Decky, who are currently on loan to us with options to buy, I've included in the list. And then also players that have gone out on loan, like Celso and Dembele, Brian Hill, are also on that list. So it's maybe a little fatter than uh, than it will be but that's what we're, that's the list we're working from here that's a good, and you know it's a really good place to to start the the, the squad review tonight officially um you know uh, gareth ricky um let me ask you both um uh, one after the other what size squad do you think we should be looking for for the forthcoming season there's there's the big variable in that five substitutes are going to be allowed this season and nine substitutes names. So I think that does slightly skew any data that we will have looked at or that teams will have worked off off the last couple of years. From looking at um, our squad this season, I've worked out that we used 23 different players played on 15 or more occasions this year, which is slightly more than any of the other top six sides. So Chelsea used 22 players, Liverpool 22 players, Man City 18 players. This is players who played 15 or more games. So I would have thought that we're slightly above the average. So I would have said probably you want to have 23 players who you want to have available to you to make at least 15 appearances throughout the season. I think we're looking for more outgoings than incomings. If you look at the players who were on loan last season, I don't think any of those are going to come back and play for us this year. So I would probably be looking for six or seven coming in, which probably means nine or ten going out. Yeah, I think I think the work we've obviously already done and the work that um, Conte's put in with filtering through who he wants and doesn't. We're not going to go back on any of that, I don't think. Um, and then it's just his mindset, really, whether how many, how tight a knit squad he needs, depending on his outlook on how much he's going to try on a Saturday and how much he's going to try in the midweek. And you think he's probably under a bit more obliged to try a bit more in midweek because we happen to roll up into the Champions League. Um, so... Um, I mean, the ideal thing is you have two good players for every position, but I don't think we're going to end up at that point to start with. But um, it's, 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 it's still a work in progress. It's still a work in progress. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's very much contingent on exactly what group Antonio feels can re- remain sufficiently motivated when not playing week in, week out. I think that's very true. But my ideal number when I look at this is 26 players. I would like a 26-man squad for this forthcoming season. Feels about right to me. I say the two players for every position, I think, is a good guide. And I think I'd probably add in one or two extra wing backs just because how much ground they have to cover, how it's such a hard position. Mm. So you want a, a, a wing back on the bench to cover it. And if you've got one out injured, then, then we're looking at wing backs who can cover both, both sides. So I think hopefully we might end up with three or four sort of flexible players like we've got with Kulu, like Perisic. And mm. even Davis might be that, you know, someone that can definitely do two or three positions if, in case, you know, because injuries do happen. And sometimes you do get down to the mm. to the bare bones, as Harry would say. So, Yeah, I mean, Gareth, do you think there are any major gaps in the squad when you're looking right now? I think we maybe need another central defender, which I know we'll come on to. And I think another a more creative central midfielder would be where we need to fill and improve the squad depth. Anyone? A right wing back. Yeah, I think some of the positions are pretty much what we were still talking about before the other windows. If it was like a left centre back, right wing back, someone to cover for Harry and that kind of thing. I mean, some of that might have changed slightly because, as I say, some other players have stepped up 
that can maybe cover those positions. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think I might be a little bit of an outlier here because I I actually don't think we need much improvement. We need commensurate quality as a back in in the backup areas, and and you know possibly right wing back is the only area where we could improve. But even there, I wouldn't be against. But anyway, let, let me not. I'm I'm fast forwarding, and and hands are going up, so I'll hold my thoughts. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think in terms of kind of starting starting players i think we probably need two on the basis that we've already signed perisic so we've already got one in who you know he's going to be starting when fit so maybe two others you know maybe a left center back and a right wing back uh, as automatic starters i think the rest of the players coming in is squad depth and maybe players who can push for a first team you know, a starting place over the season. So if you're looking at strength and depth in central midfield, for instance, you know, Benton Kerr and Hoybier did very well at the end of last season. If we can push them over over the over the course of the season and, and have some people challenging positions, that's great. But I don't think you necessarily need to have someone coming in who can start there uh, you know, on the 6th of August. No, and we've got, I mean, and this is why some of the rumours, and we'll talk about these a little later, but they sort of make me laugh. But, but, but you know what? There's, there's definitely, we're all, we're all, uh, straining at the leash to get into this, uh, on, on, on a player basis. So let's just go for it. And, uh, you know, I quite like the way you've broken this down, actually. Uh, Milo, you, you've gone for, you've gone for old, peak, and young. Uh, my word, if the game is about glory, uh, squad would be to, would to be evaluated in that sense. I'd probably be the, uh, the would I be a Loris or a Perisic? Can I be a Perisic? No, uh, Perisic has got abs. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think you've got a couple of seasons left in you, Steph. I think that's um, <laughs> that's the case. You're, you're, you're too kind. These these tables here are just a bit of background in terms of... Um, in terms of the kind of squad profile so we did the same tables last year and actually what's what's so the first one here is the age of the squad and then the second one is around contract length dive into the yeah. age of people read it yeah. through read it through for people because this is fascinating and before you start i want to say one thing arsenal was celebrated last season as having an average age of 24 tottenham hotspur had an average age of 24 this table, I think, is a testament to the amount of work that um, Paratici did last summer in order to, you know, bringing down the average age of the squad because we had quite a lot more players um, in the kind of upper age brackets before that refresh last year. And I think that stead stands us in good stead for the work we're doing this summer. So I've broken down the players here into old, peak and young. The old players are aged between 35 and 31. So for those of you who can't see this, I've kind of broken down by kind of by year and then who's who's where. So we've got thir- Lloris, who's 35, Perisic is 33. Peak runs from 25 to 30. So Doherty is 30. 29, we've got Lucas, Son and Davis. 28, we've got Kane and Dyer. We've got no 27-year-old players as we stand. Gareth is going to tell me that someone's birthday this week and that, you know, Hoybier uh, <laughs> winks on the Celso's birthday this week and, uh, and that they turn 27 to, in between me saying this and us editing it. Hoybier's 5th of August. <laughs> <laughs> I should get this out before then. Uh, Hoybier winks on the Celso are 26. Uh, Reguillon, Sanchez and Ndombele are 25. I, again, I think we, we all think of Reguillon as a young player, don't we? And, He's not. Um, so 24, no. we've got Bergwin, Rodon, Benton Kerr, Romero, and Carter Vickers. Uh, 23, uh, Jaffet, Austin, Royale, and Whiteman. Uh, 22, Cessnion and uh, Decky. 21, Skip, Clark, and Hill. No one 20. And then uh, Papi Matassar is, tw- is 19. What this tells me in your ageist breakdown here, and I don't mean that rudely, I think it's brilliant, it's really funny, but what it tells me is that to be 25 at Tottenham Hotspur in the coming season, 2022-23, 
might be a little dodgy, but we'll get into it later. I know. So anyway. So in, co- in terms of contract length, again, I've done the same thing, kind of broken it down by the, the coming years. And right. again, I think yeah. this probably shows, you know, the good work that was done last, last summer. We've got no one with a contract expiring this summer. So Galini was one, uh, but he's gone. Um, we have got, say, Romero is on loan and we've got an obligation to buy him this summer. So nominally, if you took his loan, that would be here. But um, my understanding is that it was a one-year loan with an obligation to buy and then a five-year contract. So that pushes him right out. So 2023, we've got Decky, who's on loan. And again, we could sign him up this year or next year. We've got uh, a, a clause on that. Uh, Jack Clark, Carter Vickers and Whiteman. And again, I think when we start talking about whether we sell, loan out some of these younger players, that might be a consideration that they're running down their contracts. 2024, this is this is a busy summer. I think we, we're going to have to be looking at which of these players we want to be keeping on uh, and trying to sort out contracts soon because if we let this run till next summer, then they're going to be in control of these. So we've got Lloris, uh, Lucas, Kane, Doherty, Dyer, Davis, Winks, Sanchez, Austin and Perisic. Now, there's probably a few there that we're going to be quite happy to kind of release at that point, I would have thought. Probably don't want to keep beyond that, but there's also some players there that we're going to want a decision on at some point soon. Uh, in 2025, Sun, Hoybier, Bergwin, Reguillon, Rodon, Jaffet, Cessignon, Lacelso, and Ndebele. 2026, Benton, Kerr, Royale, Hill, and Saar. 27, Romero, and Skip. Great. That's a good summation of where we stand both in terms of age and contractual obligation. And I hope you've all been making notes because we're not going to repeat that. <laughs> we'll be testing you before we'll be testing you before the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, if you want to write those down for those of you that are going full nerd with us tonight or today, whenever you're listening to this, um, you're going to have to go and rewind. So we are now going to break this down positionally. And first up chaps, let's look at the keeper situation as it stands right now. Remember, this is as the squad is now. Ignore the rumours of incomings and so on and so forth. We can discuss them, but right now we have Lloris, Austin and Whiteman on the books as our three goalkeepers. Chaps, who stays, who goes? I mean, obviously Hugo's a shoo-in, we know this, so he probably, we can just strike him off the list. Austin and Whiteman, what happens to them? I would say, Steph, I'm keeping a spreadsheet here and I'd already ticked keep next to Lloris, so if anyone is going to challenge that... You'll see him outside, right? Anyone who wants to challenge that, Milo will meet you outside. I think I mean, I mean, think it's quite the opposite. I think we were glad that Loris committed to another two years just to just to push that down the road a bit so we haven't got to think about a new keeper so far. I mean, it seems like... Are we all agreed that Forster's probably come in? Are we yeah. going to talk about that? Yeah. I, I, I think it's safe to yeah. say, and, and why don't yeah. you say it, Ricky? Yeah, I think Forster's coming. <laughs> Fraser, well, let's let's announce it officially. Fraser Forster, it looks to be coming in as a as on a free from uh, from Southampton. He's had a medical. I think it's because of English contracts. You actually have to wait them for them to run out before they that's can right. actually announce something. I think that's right, isn't it? So maybe that's why we've just not. Oh no, I haven't said that. We're in June now, so maybe Fraser Forster is coming in on a free from Southampton. Let's just establish that the only thing that's not happened is the picture of him at the club, you know, with holding the shirt, right? Very tall man, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I would have been quite happy, really, to give one of the reserve keepers that place, to be honest. I think I've said that before. I don't think there's much downside to doing that. And I don't think, and there's potentially more upside if Whiteman or Austin stepped up. I don't think there's much upside to Foster in the, sen- Foster in the sense that he's going to take over from Loris full time when Loris goes in a year or so. But mm. it's marginal stuff, really. It's not, you know, it's no biggie, I don't think. 
Well, the other thing with Lloris is that he's quite literally a safe pair of hands. He hasn't missed a game through injury since March 2020. Um, and so you'd, you'd back him to be available for all the Champions League games and for the Premier League games next year. Um, Austin and Whiteman, for me, I think we would have heard more about them. I think one of the last three or four managers would have said, this kid is going to be our number one goalkeeper in three or four years' time. And the fact that no one said that, um, I've always liked what I've seen of them, but I think to play at that high level, they're, they're not quite there. Yeah, I mean, Whiteman's out on loan at the moment. I think, so Whiteman and Austin, both 23. Whiteman's got a year left on his contract. Austin's got a year more than that. Um, I don't think keeping them around is doing their careers any good. At 23, they ought to be playing football somewhere. And, you know, Austin had a loan to MLS, um, Whiteman's on his second loan out now, but sitting, staying around with us and being third choice doesn't really do them any favours, and they'd be better off getting some getting some football somewhere. So both of those would be players that I would be happy to let go, and I think probably Whiteman would be, would be the priority because he's only got a year left on his contract. In addition to Forster, I know that we've been quite heavily linked with young keeper, twenty year old keeper at Accrington Stanley called Toby Savin, who made twenty one league appearances in. Um, League One last year kept seven clean sheets. I think he's six foot four, so he's another yeah another big lad. So I think if you were looking to bring him in, in as well, then you could probably let go of at least one of those um, Whiteman or Austin as well. I mean, I think this gives us a chance to talk a little bit about uh, the work Marco Savarani's done at the club as the goalkeeping coach, and he came in with Antonio Conte. I think there's no doubt whatsoever that he has improved Hugo's game. Mm-hmm. I mean zero doubt Hugo was more aggressive off his line more aggressive in claiming his space his box everything I mean so it's very clear to me that if you know Savarani doesn't rate Austin and Whiteman enough to promote them and wants Fraser Forster in I'm fine with that and I agree with you Milo I think that you know we should probably be cashing in on these guys um, uh, as soon as we can and and if we are looking at the lad from Accrington Stanley and Savarani's identified him, uh, then I, I think he should be supported because thus far he's managed to improve a World Cup winning goalkeeper for my money. Yeah, what uh, Conte is asking for from his keepers is um, is quite challenging. We you know, we pass the ball to uh, Lloris in you know, high pressure situations. We expect we expect him to d- delay the pass in order to create space in behind and then play it out. And none of which has really been part of his natural game up until now. Certainly not you know the last few years so yeah I, th- I think so with Forster I don't see that being really more than a one-year option we need you know Larissa signed a two-year extension so we've got you know two two more seasons of him I think really next summer a priority for us is going to be a, a long-term successor for Larissa and ideally someone who can come in and replace him during that you know the season after next so I, I really see Forster as a one-season backup that we'll be looking to move on next summer and bring in Larissa's successor. Yeah, I mean, I think he 100% he's there. I can't, you know, I can't see any future beyond that for Forster. I mean, the other thing you're saying with um, what Conti requires from a keeper, I'm not sure I remember Forster playing for Southampton and thinking he was very good with his feet there or no. anything like that. No, but the thing is, what I would say in that sense is that he is older, so He's experienced yeah, enough yeah. to maybe take yeah. on a sh- bit of short-term rapid coaching quicker than, say, one of the... I mean, yeah. it's, it's absurd. I mean, 23, you're still a relative teenager as a goalkeeper, right? So, you know, Forster's got so much experience, I'm sure he can take on the, the, the needs of the team very quickly, I would think. I would hope that we only really see him in the League Cup up until Christmas. 
and that's it and that's less of an issue then yeah. I mean the other issue with a keeper is uh, like uh, if you're going to go for a decent one they're not cheap these days I mean if if something like Ramsdale's your yardstick then oh, there you go yeah. yeah and if they are really good they're probably not going to be happy to sit on the bench and be a few guys under study either it's, no. yeah it's very awkward I, to do that transition with a keeper I Dean think. Henderson was, is the outlier isn't he because Dean Henderson is was so promising for so long and actually uh, showed up for Man United in several performances but he seems to have just fallen off the face of the earth which actually might not be a bad thing for his career because he has done during uh, mm. Rangnick's uh, time. But I wonder if that's someone we might sniff around in the future. But anyway, regardless, our keeper situation, Hugo Loris, we all agree Fraser Forster's good uh, for coming in. And uh, we all agree that one of Austin and Whiteman should probably move on. I think we're all probably thinking that Whiteman should because he's had a little more experience in terms of loans and so on and so forth, correct? I mean, I would sell both of them. If we've got if we've got two keepers coming okay. in, I would sell both of them. Yeah, if we have two coming in, but if we've only got but if we've only got Forster coming in for now, we keep one, deal one. Yeah. yeah? Mm. Okay. So let's move on to defenders. Wow. I think there's going to be some controversy here, actually, between us. Christian Romero, <laughs> Eric Dyer, Benjamin Davis, uh, Sanchez Rodon, Tanganga, Carter Vickers. I mean, you know, three absolute shoe-ins. And then we've got uh, then we've got four players who, well, let's just throw the floor open. Who wants to start? I will. Um, I would keep Romero, Dyer, Davis and Sanchez. I would probably loan out Rodon and Tananga and... I would sell Carter Vickers. Rodon needs football, is going to want football. Jaffet isn't very well suited to Conte. He's not good enough on the ball, not good enough in possession for me. Carter Vickers, again, is a player that has been around for ages. He's not going to, um, he's not going to threaten our first team. And there's going to be quite a lot of the, uh, interest in him off the back of a really good season at, at, um, at Celtic. So I would be looking... You know, if we're looking at two players for each position, then obviously Romero, Dyer and Davis would start the season as first choice. Sanchez is Romero's backup. And then I would look to bring in a centre-back to cover Dyer and probably one to replace, you know, to take Davis's first-team place. But that feels pretty harsh because he's been brilliant. Interesting. OK, and before we get into the speculation, Gareth, Ricky, why don't you go through the outgoings that you would have from that list first? I think the only thing I slightly differ from Milo is... Sanchez, I think if a really good offer came in for him, which is more than we value him at the moment, and we think we could get someone else in who would be an equally adequate backup to that those three, particularly on the right-hand side, I'd probably take the money from for, for him. Um, otherwise, yeah, I, nothing really to, to add or to, to differ from what Milo said. Um, I think, well, Romero, Dyer, Davis, 100% stay in. I think I probably agree with Gareth there. I was going to say at the start there when we were talking about improvement of players, I think that Conte has spread a bit of sparkle on some of these players and they are better, but I still am slightly worried that further down the road we might get to a stage with someone where we do think again they weren't good enough, if you see what I mean. Mm. In other words, we think they are at the moment and I think I'll put Sanchez in that kind of category. I mean, Sanchez, Roden and Carter Vickers are the money players, i.e. we could get transfer fees probably. I think... Uh, Milo's right Carter Vickers has got to go because he's quite hot at the moment and we've never done anything with him and it looks like we could probably get 6 to 10 or 6 to 12 million for him but Sanchez he he did well at the end of the season but um, I'm still not 100% sold on him and that is because of where I think we might end up if you want to be a Liverpool City then Sanchez might not be in that kind of level Interesting. I agree with uh, Milo's choices, albeit uh, my main reason uh, for moving Jaffet on would be uh, twofold. Number one, um, there is an injury concern with him. He does seem to have some repetitive injury issues. But more than that, uh, actually, Ricky, I somewhat disagree. I think we can, I think that Paratici is going to be able to deal him in Italy. I mean, he had some interest before. 
and we stopped him from going there. And so I, I, I don't wonder if that's not already happening, that there's maybe some moves to try and get him um, out to Italy. I, I think it, it was AC Milan who were interested um, in January, wasn't it? It was. And I, I, so I, I think that he's actually a very, very dealable asset because in a sense, he's less quote unquote tainted slash resurrected even than Davinson has been. So there's still, I think, quite a lot of value in it, especially with a silver-tongued cavalier like Paratici at, at, at the wheel. I think Carter Vickers is definitely going. Joe Roden I feel sorry for because I think there's actually a really, really good defender there. But I agree with you, Milo. And uh, indeed, I think I agree with all of you. I think we all feel the same. He deserves to be playing first-team football somewhere. And uh, look... I think Davison Sanchez's resurrection uh, towards the end of the season, I think it's I think it's kept his place in the squad and kept the manager's faith in him. So I think he stays. I, I would agree with Ricky and Gareth about uh, about Sanchez, Sanchez's limitations. He's not a natural for Conte. He isn't particularly good on the ball. Um, the reason I, I, but I think he did well towards the end of last season, and he'd certainly improved under under Conte. I think managers trust. I think the second half of this season was probably his best season for us since when he first joined us. His first season, but the reason I'm saying keep him is that there's only so much turnover. There's only so many changes you can do in one summer, and. Um, three central defenders or sorry four central defenders out and three in feels like a bit too much in one window for me so that's the reason I was saying keep him I mean I think and it's interesting I'll expand this slightly from my views on Davinson just in general I think I'm going to find myself saying this about a few more players as we go through the squad for me one of the single most important things in an Antonio Conte squad is trust and I just think that I'm looking at the players that he placed the trust in he kind of passed in the conch if you will and they took it and they held it and they ran with it and they did well with it. Okay, chaps, and let's look at some of the rumours that are out there. And, and I'm going to work with Milo on this. I mean, I know for kickoff, obviously, Bastonian Skrinner. Milo, who else have you got on that rumoured centre-half list? So, so running through the list, I mean, this is pretty much, I think, in order of preference from my understanding. So, you know, Bastoni, I mean, the issue with him is that he evidently wants to stay at Inter, but there was some comments from his agent this week that sounded like he was um, paving the way for him to go. And obviously, Inter need money. Vardio um, at um, Leipzig, who's excellent, has had a really good season, but um, there's a lot of other big clubs interested in him. He's got a long contract and it's expected to be you know, a really big fee for him. You know, you're talking kind of 70, 80 million is, is the rumour. So, you know, a lot more than Bastoni. Mark Gehi at uh, Palace, who joined them from Chelsea last summer. He's right-footed, but um, could play on the left. And he's captured Palace a few times last season. Pau Torres who could be an option. I, I think he'd probably be a better option as centre-centre-back rather than left-centre-back. But there'd be slight concerns, I think, about uh, the physicality of the Premier League with him. Gleeson Bremer, uh, he could play both left-centre-back left and central-centre-back, although he is right-footed. Clement Lenglet, he's had a miserable time that, uh, at Barca, uh, but there's uh, rumours that they're willing to let him go on loan and they need to release players in order to register the players that they've already brought in on free transfers. Um, our old favourite, uh, Kim Min-Jae, who's had a very good season at uh, Fenerbahce. Again, probably an option at centre-centre-back rather than left centre-back more, I would have thought. Again, right-footed. I've got to jump in here immediately and say that I remain firmly against Pau Torres. I don't think he's going to be... I don't think he's physical enough for this league and I can see him... I can see him being a slightly more caught out in possession John Stones at times. I think that's a player we need to stay away from. I, th I think you need to distinguish between the wide centre-backs and the, center cent the central centre-back and I think he'd probably be slightly better at that. I do have concerns about his um, physicality and uh, how he would be in the air. 
but he's really nice on the ball. I think we're all agreed that Bastoni is uh, it, it would be brilliant. And I don't know, guys, I, I have to trust that Conti can talk him around. But, you know, do we have to say if he doesn't agree this week, we move on? What do you think? I mean, how much? How long are we going to wait for Bastoni? I don't think we're waiting for Bastoni. I think we're waiting for Inter. You know, Inter's financial situation isn't great. So I think it's if he's top target and uh, we need to kind of dance the dance with Inter in order that they can sell you know, really good players who are popular with their fan base but lay the groundwork in order to allow that to do that then i think you have to you have to do that don't you that's part of the you know part of uh, kind of finessing the deal chaps any thoughts on that yeah i mean the best only one it does sound like it's a bit like a house move and the chain that takes place in that so i think a lot of things have got to have got to be lined up for that one to happen um it would appear yeah bastoni's preference of staying in milan seems to be the biggest hurdle at the moment but i guess if if his club to him and said look we're, we're going to take the money we're going to get someone else in because we actually want we we want the money back from you that probably forces his hand a little bit and i think to an extent you need to let it play out Clearly, clearly, the intention this summer is to get as much business done as soon as possible. I think in other summers, we would imagine this would be one that would rumble until the last week of August. I don't think that's going to be allowed to happen this year. I think if Bastoni doesn't happen, Lenglet makes the most sense uh, in terms of a low risk, uh, a low risk loan that covers uh, an area that we that we might need. I would have him quite a long way down the list. Moving on to wing backs, we have uh, Perisic, Doherty, Sessignon, Royal, and Reguilon. Right. Well, one of those uh, already immediately is is off the list because we know that he's uh, he's not just staying; he's only freshly arrived, and how exciting it is! Uh, so let's just look at these four: Doherty, Sessignon, Royal, Reggion. Who wants to kick it off? Well, I mean, looking at them, apart from Reggion, I'm sure all of them have played on the opposite side at some point this year and I think there's possibly a case therefore for having five just because of the demands that we know that Conte will have on on wing back so for me it's um I I think Reguilon is the least suited to playing as a wing back on his natural side and and definitely the least suited to playing on his unnatural side which would be the right side so I think if we upgraded Reguilon with a wing back either right-footed or left-footed that would set us in a really good place for for next year then I think there's maybe be um, Doherty or, or Royale if someone else then became available who we knew was going to be an upgrade and we could sell them then probably look to do that as well yeah I think I'd agree with that broadly well Sessignon and Perisic I, I would definitely be keeping Reguilon I would definitely be selling there are rumours that we're still interested in Kostic from uh, Eintracht Frankfurt if that's the case and kind of Perisic is flexibility you know, he's two-footed I think he possibly could play on either side that means that in that situation and assuming we're bringing in uh, a first choice uh, right wing back then maybe uh, one of Doherty or Royal goes at that point but I think we could probably do with more than four wing backs and Doherty does have the advantage of being able to play be played on either side so I think I'd want five or six wing backs for the season. Yeah, I think um, we've been in the Champions League as well. And if we want to, I mean, they're hard games. They're as hard as the Premier League games quite often. So if we want to rotate then and rotate with quality, then we're going to definitely have to have a good fleet of wing backs. I think Reggie and Royal are the ones that we might get bids for and go. I mean, mm. I agree that Reggie's the one that we should get rid of, which seems bizarre considering how exciting we were about him literally when he joined but he doesn't although he's got the legs he just doesn't seem to be have the wing back kind of nous or or he's a bit and in the attacking sense he's not that great when it gets to um receiving things in the box 
I think Cess, the signs of that now, signs that he's coming to his game. And I think, uh, I think Conte likes him. I think he sees, he, I think he's a young player, one of the young players that he sees that he can do something with. I think he's got definitely, uh, sees a skill set there. Doherty deserves to stay, I think. I think Doherty is, I mean, if we get a new ring, what, uh, a new, uh, sort of starting or something that he can share the position with, then he's, I think he's 31 in January, Doherty. So, mm. He can only churn the Conte regime out so long as a wing back, depending on how old you are and depending on how, you know, how well you, you've kept yourself over the years. So, um, someone definitely that's going to challenge him. I think we're probably going to go on to some of the targets, um, in a sec. So yeah. And Perisic obviously it's great to have him there because I think he could play either side. So that's great news as well. I have a slightly different view from all of you actually and it goes back to uh, the centre-half discussion Uh, I think we will probably in the end look to bring two centre-halves in I think we all agree on that I think what that does is it frees up uh, Ben Davis to count as a wing-back that can be used in certain situations in certain games I think Reguillon will go I think Cessinon and Royal will stay. I also think Doherty will stay. And I think I'm going back again to my whole Conti trust um, uh, thing here. I think those are players he trusts. They've done the job for him. They did a tremendous job for him, actually. I mean, in terms of goals conceded and points gained, they were part of an extremely successful side that was third in the league um, in those stats. So for me, let's get the money for on. Let's bring one more uh, wing back in. Um, and I see Ben Davis as floating between the uh, the defenders and wing backs. We've already seen him utilise that way, as a, you know, occasionally in some of these ladder games um, of the season, albeit substitute shuffles he was put out there. But I think I think it's a very real situation. I mean, it's very obvious again that Antonio trusts him, and I mean, I've spoken of him being like his Aspilicueta. Uh, that that's my take on it. I out of that core, I'm only getting rid of Reguilón. Because he's there's good money and I'm bringing one in. I was just going to add to that. I had I had a similar thoughts to that role that you um, suggest for Davis for Royale. He could be the same person on the right side, either doing mm-hmm. right back, right wing back, or right centre back. And we'd have they would be. Uh, do you know what I said before about having a floating player that can cover many roles? Mm-hmm. And we've got Kulu and Perisic that can do that in a more attacking and wing back sense. Mm-hmm. And Davis and Royal could do that in a more defensive, but potentially wing back sense because you never know what injury crisis might come along. So it's great to have people that, as you say, Steph, it's important. I suppose the, the first level you have to reach with Conte is trust. So I think that it brings us very, very conveniently to one of the, the hottest rumours going around right now, which is about Jed Spence. And um, I think definitely right wing back is where we would look to bring someone in. I mean, for me, I'll kick this off by saying, and I know that Milo and I've been discussing this um, off, off pod. I, I just, I'm not, I don't know. It seems like a gamble to me, and it seems like a gamble that Conti won't be prepared to take, given that the player has no Premier League experience. I see the potential, I understand the potential, but I just wonder if he really is an Antonio signing. Although I know that Milo said that you know he apparently uh, really fancies him, and the rumor is that this is his choice. Yeah, I, th- I think the rumors are strong enough that you've got to believe that it's it's fairly imminent, or at least it's definitely something that the club wants to happen he's he's been a standout performer um you know will be in the championship but then he's also really stood out when Forrest have played against Premier League opposition in in cup ties this year and for his age as well and the fact that he also fulfills the homegrown criteria as well I think it's um, I think it's a deal that I would say is probably almost certainly going to happen sooner rather than later and I'm, I'll be pleased to see it as well I think that's right yeah I think Spencer said himself that he's more favoured to a team that looks like he's definitely going to be involved with rather than periphery or end up being loaned out. I mean, if Royal, if Royal and Doherty stays, I suppose that gives us some protection in case he 
isn't quite up to it right from the get-go. Um, and as I say, Doherty is going to end up being 31, so it's a little bit of a buffer to ease someone in. And even if he, you know, I mean, he might end up playing 20 games or something like that. Yeah. The fee is rumoured to be in the 10 to 15 million exactly. range, which for an, for an English mm. young player is, is very, very low. Not much risk there with that. There's not many of them on the market, I and mean, there's still a relatively small number of teams and coaches that play in that system. So there's not many right wing backs that are out there and available anyway. Mm. So the fact that we found one who, who ticks all those boxes as well. Midfield, Hoybier. Bentoncourt, Skip, Winks, Saar, Lo Celso, and Dombele. I think this is going to be pretty straightforward, but chaps, fire away. Sell Winks, sell Lo Celso, send them to Dombele, loan out Saar, keep the rest. I'm just going to vote yes. Next. <laughs> yes. Seconded, yeah. Yes. Great. Well, that was the easiest section so far. Let's just move on to the forwards. I mean, we're all in agreement. There's not much to discuss there. We should actually also probably reinforce how important it is to conclude the good work that Paratici himself started in January by really making sure that the Celso and, and Dombele are fully out the door. Um, yeah. And again, you know, just to be clear to anyone listening, it's not that we don't know that or don't believe they're talented players. They are incredibly talented players, but they do not fit Tottenham Hotspur 2022-23. There's some pretty solid uh, rumours about um, Sevilla being interested in Dombele that have come out over the weekend. There's meant to be a little bit of a gap um, in their wage ceiling and what he wants <laughs> but presumably that's a bartering but you know a negotiating position probably probably with us as much as um severe and i assume that we're going to have to chuck him a fair bit of bunts in order to get him out the door yeah. but um you know we've shown a more, more of a willingness to do that over the last few years so hmm. um i suspect that's something that we'll probably we'd probably be willing to do in terms of kind of in, incoming players i mean obviously christian erickson is is the biggie and can cover a number of different, different positions. Uh, Winston McKenney, Tonin, Barak, Hellas, Verona. A name that I wasn't particularly aware of, but I'd say Ali Gold has said that we're keeping a very close eye on is uh, a young lad, 18-year-old player at Bristol City called Alex Scott, who can play in central midfield, although he spent a lot of time at right midfield last season. Um, I would assume he's one that we'd probably look to buy and loan out if we took him. Oh, I mean, from that list, you would say that Ericsson fits the Conti squad trust um, you know, triumvirate. He ticks all those boxes, and uh, I think he knows his way around uh, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club at this point. So that would seem to be a, a safe signing, especially given the fact to be working with Conti again here. And he's on a free, yeah. And he could also cover Decky, so he, he's a player who can cover a, a couple of different positions. Uh, I think yeah. this is a point you've made, Ricky, isn't it? A few times in the past around getting a fast start to next season with yeah. the World Cup there. And also a kind of month of the season before the transfer window closes, getting your business done early, getting those players in um, and hitting the ground running uh, is really key. And you know, Conte isn't a manager who's likely to hang around for a very long time if he if he's the same with us as he's been at every other club. So next season is probably the season that we're going to win stuff with him if we're going to win stuff. And that means we need to hit the ground running. Yeah, yeah um, no, nothing else to add to that. Really, I think that whilst there's two central midfield positions, we, we assume that that 3-4-3 is the preferred system rather than 3-5-2. He, he only did it very reluctantly last year that the, the balance of midfield is you know is about right, as you mm. just described there. I think that's a good point, though, Gareth. I think if we were looking at playing 3-5-2 um, at any point, then we'd probably want another midfielder in there. Mm. Four, four yeah. is a bit light if, we, if that was going to be an option at any point. I love the sound of Suchek, actually. I think he would be a really good signing for us. I think it's unlikely, however, given the history between ourselves and West Ham. And I also am a fan of the potential that Winston McKenney has. I think that, you know, under a manager like Conte, if he wants it, 
I think he could be really uh, a really, really fine player. And uh, I think possibly an even better version of a prime time Aaron Ramsey, which I know is somewhat sacrilegious to say here, but there was a moment in time where Aaron Ramsey was a good player, has to be said. So I'd be happy with either of those, to be honest, coming in would be great. So I think we should also realise that actually Ollie Skip is going to feel like a new signing by the time the season starts. He was out for so long. So that's quite exciting. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope we see the best of him next year and he recovers from um, his long-term niggling injury. Yeah, so but the one thing we didn't see last year was we didn't see Skip and Bentanker line up at the same place. It's almost have you have you mm. ever seen him in the same room at the same time? Because uh, Skip's injuries coincided with Bentanker coming in, so that's another combination that we haven't seen yet. We know that Skip and Heiberg work well. We know that Heiberg and Bentanker worked well. We just haven't seen how, how Skip and Bentanker might play together. So we're on to the forwards. And again, you know, it feels like this is going to tell its own story, uh, although it does. there are two players here that we might all uh, have a little debate about. But the forwards, Kane, Son, Kulisewski, Lucas, Bergwijn, Hill and Clark. Who wants to kick this one off? I'm assuming we're all going to be saying pretty similar things here. Bergwijn clearly wants to go and it feels like it's just a case of finalising those negotiations, presumably with, with Ajax, and then he'll be off. Hill is going to need another 12 months away from Spurs because he's not going to, we're not going to be able to do him any justice if he's part of our mm-hmm. first team squad next year. Clark has barely flattered at League One level, so he's a long way short of what we've got. And therefore, I think we're left with Lucas is the best alternative option that we've got at the moment. And I think there are definite upgrades available for him, particularly bearing in mind his, you know, his, his age as well. And the fact that he's playing in a system that relies on a lot of control. And as we've discussed over a good 18 month period, he's not a player that <laughs> provides a, a great deal of control. So I think that there is, um, there, there is going to be movement with players going, going out again. And I think that we will need to look to get in an alternative player to, to, to fill those positions as well. Well. Yeah, I agree. I think um, Bergwin and Hill are put in the same bracket, isn't in the sense from my own personal view. There's definitely a player in there with both of those players. Uh, Bergwin wants to go, so do we stand in his way? I don't think we can because if we bring someone else in as well, he's got three absolute top class players ahead of him in that front three. Hill, we just have to loan because I think he might turn out to be a good player, and there's mm-hmm. no point giving up on him yet. Plus, obviously, we invested quite a lot in him. There might be a Spanish team that wants him, but I think we should just resist that because um, he, you never know, he'll might come back to us when we've got a different manager, and we'll be really grateful for that. Lucas, I think Lucas is in the twenty twenty four transfer bracket, uh, contract bracket. So, and I think did people say that he was planned on just seeing his contract out with us? I think, I think at some point, and um, but I mean, obviously, that's not necessarily completely down to him. But if he hangs around much longer, then we won't be getting much money for him anyway, either mm. contract-wise or age-wise, I think. Um, but I think his future is dictated by who we bring in as well, because I think, I'm sure Lucas wants to play football. I don't think he wants the kind of minimal sub-role. But um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's as, as we say, I don't think he fits very well tactics-wise for us as a team. So I think Lucas is, um, I think Lucas, we, we actually need to move Lucas on as well, I think, as a club. I agree broadly what you're saying i mean obviously kane son and uh decky stay uh Bergen wants to leave so obviously he goes uh hill as a kind of left-footed left-sided forward doesn't fit with what conte wants in the team and he didn't look very good when he was played on the right so i would be looking to loan him though in the rumors that he, he was loaned back to spain because he was tr- struggling to acclimatize to life in england I think we need to loan him somewhere a bit more physical so that 
in a year's time he might be ready for for us so i would say uh, either an english side or a premier league side or uh, a bundesliga side uh, maybe a loan similar to Cessnion had might do him might do him good jack clark i think he did okay at sunderland i would look, be looking to loan him out again i think people judge him by his uh, transfer fee rather than the player and i think he's all right and um, I think he's probably ready to uh, get a loan to a championship side rather than a League One side. Yeah, maybe Sunderland again. Mm. Um, and he's also a player that we've seen playing as a centre forward or as a forward, you know, central player uh, a, a little bit for us last season. And yeah, I just think there might be something there. Uh, Lucas, I think, is a tricky one. I don't. I agree, Ricky, that I don't think he fits us very well. Uh, but I'm not sure that we're going to be able to bring in three forwards this summer so i think maybe he stays around and it looks like conte trusts him but i'm not his biggest fan i completely agree on jack clark i think also um i read recently that his fitness statistics are incredible i think he's Mm. one of the fittest players at the club um and i agree i think we forget how young he is still so he's definitely one uh i actually would be looking to get money for brian hill I, i like him I think he's I think he's sexy, I think he's jinky, I think he's all of those things, but I just don't think it's going to happen for him with us. So if I could get good money for him, I would take it. Um I think Lucas again falls into the manager trusts him, plus he's kind of waiting for the moment where he can go back to Sao Paulo and uh, and play play back there. Bergwine again, talent is only part of the equation with Conti. So I, I think it has to be uh, has to be Sayonara, goodbye, thank you. Uh, for Leicester, and uh, you know, we get the money. Can I can I just say something briefly on on Hill? So just coming back on your kind of sell, selling him. I mean, part of my reason for loaning him out is I don't think the manager is going to be around you know too much longer. Just just by Conte's track record. So I think loaning out Hill for the next two years, he's on a long contract. Um, he's clearly a very talented player. And seeing whether he fits the next manager would be my plan with him. I just wanted to add as well that they weren't on the list, but I'm guessing we're all assuming that both for Troy Parrott and Dane Scarlett, the best thing for their development is going to get be loaned probably at the Championship and yeah. League One or League Two next year. Probably Keon Tete, possibly yeah. the same. He's, he's got some goals this year, but we don't think they're going to be any part of the first team plans next year and I don't think it would be right for their development either. No, I'd agree with that. That's a good shout, Gary. I think some of the more younger players and, and developing players, I think um, if we was in Europa League or Conference League, then that's slightly different for them. But because we're in Champions League, we're almost then, by definition, you're more reluctant to play them. So they're kind of then looking at League Cup and, yeah. you know, they're not the opportunities just aren't there, I don't think. I, I think a bit like what I was saying about Hill. Um, yeah. I think Divine, Parrot. Scarlet, all of those players I'd be looking to get decent loans where they're going to be playing full seasons. So again, maybe you, you're loaning them out to maybe a, a league below you think they're good enough for so that they actually get a full season under their belt, uh, you know, like we did with Parrot last season. And yeah. um, they're players that I think probably you look to make available for the next manager. I agree with the three. I still stick by. If I could get good money for Brian Hill, I would sell him. Um, but that's just me. I'm flying solo on that one. Uh, I, I do want to go to the speculation for some forwards because it really actually plays into my personal transfer you know uh, jiggery pokery here it's clear that inter milan need money i think we're i think the, the, the figure quoted is they need about 50 or 60 million to come in it's also clear to me that we're not going to buy two superstar players from inter milan and this is where the whole do we get bastoni or do we loan a player in like langlet uh, you know where are our greater needs putting my long-term hat on if the rumors about trying to pinch Latara Martinez are true, I would go for it. I'd spend the money. 
I know he's a centre forward, and I know we've got a centre forward who's one of the best in the world. But you know, Kane is you know his his role is developing. He's he's you know he can drop in, he can drop out. I think having another world class. Well, maybe I'm being a little overstated there. Potentially world-class striker like Martinez would be an incredible acquisition. And I think it would be a great statement for the future because we are going to need to keep our forward line fully refreshed. So I will be going for that myself. Uh, I've always been partial. I mean, I wanted Diaz, as you guys know, and I know that I think we somewhat disagreed on that um, and felt he was superfluous to the to, to our needs. No, no, um, it's about the stage we're at for me on that stuff. I think it's like measuring up for the curtains when you haven't put a roof and windows in your house. Um, <laughs> we we need to uh, build the squad. So I think in two years' time, I think he would have been an excellent signing. You know, D- Diaz as he is now, you know, two years' time, it would have been an excellent signing. Uh, but there's there's more. He was a lot of money, and there's more essential work to be done. Um, I don't think Martinez is an option. I don't think that's um, a player we'll be looking at, and I don't think he'd be a particularly good fit for where we are now. Although obviously he played very well for uh, Conte in the past. I'm just thinking if Milan need money, who are they gonna who are they gonna shove out the door? They're gonna shove someone, and he's a massive massive asset. Yeah, I mean obviously um, uh, Bastoni is is the one that you know we're keenest keenest on there. But um, I mean some of the other. Names that have been linked, um, so Terry Rennes, who didn't feature when we played them in the conference last year, can play as a left wing, well, left inside forward and a forward. He scored 20, 21 goals in 37 games in league and last year. Charles de um, Catelier, Catelier. Uh, yeah, uh, Club Bruges. I, I really like him. Uh, so I, I'd be looking good for the centre forward. I'd be looking for a player who can play wide and, and centre forward because I think an out and out centre forward won't get enough minutes because if Kane's fit, he's going to play. Um, so Alex Isaac at, at um, Sokia Dad is another one who fits into a very kind of similar category for me and uh, is familiar with uh, playing with Deki from the international lineup. So Nunes at Benfica, but everyone wants him at the moment. It's going to be crazy money. Skamaka at um, he is an out and out striker. He's very very much like um, Ibrahimovic. I think he's got one hell of a shot on him. There's a young lad um, who's recently been released by Real Madrid who I think is going to the World Cup who's been talked up quite a lot. Yeah. don't know if you've heard of, about him at all. Yeah, I think he's he's Welsh though, isn't he? So he's fine for the Premier League, but as far as the Champions League are concerned, he wouldn't be considered as a well, that's homegrown true, yeah. player. So it's I've that got way. to ask a question here because it's it. I mean, enjoying the discussion, but and it's nice. But I mean, honestly, let's look at the manager we have and let's look at the project that he is. I mean, are we really looking at potential? I mean, how far... In the available strikers list, are we really going to look? And do we think that we are looking? I mean, I'm assuming that if we bring someone in, it's going to be someone, not just a potential. I, I just don't see this manager wanting too many potential players. I mean, again, this is, I think, it's an area where we disagree, Steph. I don't think he's looking for big name players. I think he's looking for players that fit him. And, you know, he's been quite willing to work with players in the past. So I think there will be some finished article players who come in, but I don't think that's going to be all of our business. I mean, just on you know saying that briefly actually i mean two other names that have been coming up more over the last week or so Troy is um is rearing his head his head again Barca don't want to keep him he's only got a year left on his contract and Wolves want him out of the door um whether that's as a forward or as a as a wing back but again maybe that 
is that flexibility you're talking about there, Ricky? And an odd one that I wasn't expecting, um, St. Uh, Maximin has been coming up this uh, weekend or no, over the last few days, and evidently he's got a release clause in his contract at Newcastle. I, I, again, I just um, um, I just don't understand that rumour. That rumour makes no sense to me whatsoever. I mean, looking at the player and looking how he plays. They're coming from pretty reliable sources, both of those. So No, I understand that, but I what I'm saying is... I don't understand why he would be looking at him. I'm trying to imagine Antonio Conte utilising him. And, and by the way, mm. the players, when I'm talking about how far down the list are we going, I'm, I'm not talking about size of name. And this is something that's very important to define, I think. I think it's about experience and the level of experience. You can, you can be, an, uh, you know, not a huge name, but have a lot of experience on your side and indeed be coachable. So that's more what I'm thinking when I'm thinking of things that fit Antonio. Ketelair is young. And I agree with you. I think he would be a really good option because I think he's a coachable player who can who who has also got experience. And 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 Antonio would trust him. I think I'm back to that trust thing again. So that's that's kind of what I'm trying to yeah. think through. I'm thinking of these targets. So I mean, if you look at Isaac, for instance, who's got you know again young lad, but a lot of experience. So it doesn't profile that differently, say Decky, on in that kind of sense. No, no, absolutely not. Another another fine option. Yeah. Yeah, I really like Isaac. Always have done. Yeah. I, I've had a feeling for quite a number of years, actually, that we will never actually address the problems that we've got in getting sufficient central strikers in until Kane's left the club. I think that is a bit of a blocker. It does feel, though, that generally everything at the moment is geared up to the here and now, and that's sort of partly why so much has been invested into into Conte. So it wouldn't surprise me if we don't sign a striker. It seems that our solution to that is to load up on players who can play as wide players, which then means that Son or, or Kulisevsky could potentially deputise in that central role for a short period of time, should it happen. Uh, are we going to return to the GB talk? Yes, yeah. bring it up. And when you say GB, you do not mean Great Britain, do you, Ricky? No, definitely not. Bale, you're going to get the yellow shirt out, Steph. Let's hope we can roll that one out for another season. Uh, what, do you, what does everyone think? Because so I think even first time he came round, Milo, you were dead against it, even the first season, weren't you? No, I wasn't. I wasn't against it when he came on loan. I was against bringing him back last season, and at the time we were discussing that, that was mainly because the noises coming out of the club were that we wanted to return to a high press um, system, mm. and I just didn't see him working in that. Um, so. I mean, it didn't turn out like that because neither of the managers that we had last season played in that way. I'm flip-flopping on Bale. Um, and I, so I, I think five subs makes it, um, makes it more viable. And he is a player who could, you know, he can hold up the ball. He could cover for Kane. Although I think last time he was here, the, the word, the rumors were that he didn't want to play centrally. Um, you know, he can drop deep. He can play balls over the top. He can do most of the stuff that Kane does. And obviously he's great from out wide and give me the choice of bringing on Bale on 70 minutes or bringing on Lucas. I'm going to pick Bale every single time. Um, I'm a little worried about his injury record. So he missed. 170, 127 days last season, so missing 34 games. Um, and then, say, so the season before that, it was 68 days, missing 18 games because obviously he arrived with an injury, didn't he? And I just, I, I, like I said, I'm flip-flopping on this and I, I just wonder whether uh, he could stand up to what Conte wants. And there are really, 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 there are really strong rumours that he's going to go to Cardiff. Oh, okay. I mean, I think regardless of... Um... I think you just have to accept Bale at this stage of what kind of player he is. In other words, he just wants to play whatever game he wants to play. So that obviously de- 
that deserves a conversation with Conte in the first place to see even if it gets over that first hurdle. Conte is going to have to make some kind of allowances. He's not going to say you're going to have to come and do the regime. Otherwise, I'm not interested yeah. at all. And and Conte I, could say that. Conte might say, look, this is a meritocracy. Everyone does the same thing. And if you don't fit into that, then you know I'm not interested in the first place. I think that's really going to be the major deciding factor is that I don't think Antonio does exceptions. I think you're in or you're out. I don't think anybody gets that waiver, um, not even Gareth Bale. And I, I agree with you, Ricky, in the sense it would be really nice to have him as an option off the bench. Uh, I agree with you, Milo, that uh, I'd rather see him come on and 70 minutes than Lucas. I think really the only possible way that he comes back to us is if he comes on in the 85th minute, like Bergwijn did, and becomes the new Stephen Bergwijn. But I, I've got to say, as much as I'd love to dust off the old yellow shirt, um, it, it just it doesn't really make sense to me. And I also can't see us bringing back two old legends mm. in the same season. Sure, so sure. if that's the slot, I think, and I don't know if that is a criteria, but you know, Christian Eriksen, who you know could possibly demand an exception from Antonio Conte's rigorous regime will not get it and I don't think Gareth will either so I think he won't come I was going to say the same thing because I think both of those transfers are risks for slightly different reasons and how many risks do you want to carry at the same time and one of them you could say well okay it's a one place in the squad but if you've got two of them and it goes wrong then the impact on that's that's more so I think I think you're right Steph I think it could be either or but you know that that Cardiff rumor it's it's the, the team that Bale supports he's never played for them and I presume that he'd have a lot more control over kind of when he played. And, you know, basically, he's not going to want anyone tackling him from September onwards, is he? <laughs> no. I mean, I think he's in the position where he can wait and sure. see. He can, he can, he can tide it, he can wait out and see what offers are available for him. I mean, if you talk about it being a season long deal, it wouldn't surprise me if the deal only ran up until January. I don't know what the minimum amount of time that you can sign a player, but it really wouldn't surprise me whether once the World Cup's done that he retires and hangs his boots up completely. I can't imagine him having a great deal of motivation to go and play for Cardiff away at Preston on a Tuesday night in the middle of January once the World Cup's over. I think once the World Cup's over, that's that's probably him done. It's just whether it suits us um, for him to be part of, of, of our plans, um, even on the periphery of them for the first four months of it. And I can see that there's benefit in, in it for us for the reasons that we've suggested above. I suppose it depends who else is on our list of people that might fall into that category of a sort mm. of wing forward, stroke forward. Um, I mean, there's no signing on. Well, there's no fee, but I suppose there might be a signing on fee. But he might just be quite happy with a wage per week for, as 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 Gareth says, maybe up to. The, I mean, the World Cup starts in sort of middle to end of November, so. Yeah, I mean, look, we can't afford a player. I mean, and look, let's be very clear, and to our listeners, we should be extremely clear. We are completely speculating about Gareth yeah. Bell's future career here. He has, he or his representatives have said nothing of the sort of any of the things we're talking about. But, um, you know, if if that was the case, Gareth, and look, it's feasible to to you know to think it could be that he's thinking once the World Cup's gone, I'll maybe find the golf course more regularly. Uh, but I look. Antonio's not going to go for that. That's just not even. I don't think that's that. That I mean, that would seal the deal, wouldn't it? Or seal the not deal. <laughs> I can't yeah. see it happening. It might do. Again, it's whether it comes to the 26th or 27th of August and we've got the main bits of our squad done, but there's maybe a, maybe a space for a forward or someone suddenly comes in with a, an offer of 30 million plus for Lucas. That might be the moment where he thinks, you know, we could, we, we, you know, we could do this and then we'll reevaluate in January. The outlier is always in the case of Gareth Bale in this specific, 
in this specific situation, the outlier is always going to be Daniel Levy because he is Daniel's love child. <laughs> Again, I say that tongue in cheek. He isn't really, but you know what I mean. And I think if, if, if you know, Daniel does get, you know, he does get hooked on players, right? I mean, he's the one who saved Gareth Bale in the first place, right? From getting sold to Knott's Forest and so on. Mm. Um, if he really wants it to happen, maybe there's a chance, but I think it will put real pressure on the Paratici. Uh, I mean, that would be the worst case. That, that would be absolutely the worst outcome. I could not agree more. I hope I'm wrong. I think there's some really positive signs at the moment that Levy is leaving running the yes. football club, the football side of it, to Paratici yep. and Conte. Yeah. And um, any sign of backtracking on that would be a major concern. Yeah, yeah it would be a disaster. Of, absolutely regardless right. of the player. Regardless of the you're player. right. Uh, you're right. But I'm just saying, I think that that for me is probably the only way we would see him back. Uh, yeah. that, that, looking at all the, the, the pieces and kind of analysing them. Mm. But I agree with you, Milo. It will be a real retrograde step. And for that reason alone, I would hope it doesn't happen that way if it's going to happen at all. Should I do a little recap of... Um, yes, please. Yeah, I think we should. I think we've, um, I think we're flogging a few more than we were planning to. So, um, effect. So, in the keep yep. category, we've only got fifteen. We've got eight sales. We've got five loans and one sell at the right price. Um, so that's Sanchez. So if we if we add him in, so to to the not sales, we've got sixteen. So to get our two for every position, we're going to need to bring in six. So we've got Foster there. We've got Foster there already, haven't we? So yeah. Either way, so Lloris keep, Romero keep, Dyer keep, Davis keep, Perisic keep. I mean, I would have sold him. He's he's too old. I, you know, it's two years left on his contract. We ought to try and cash him in and while we can. Um, Doherty keep, Sessegnon keep, Royale. We're keep we're keeping. I suspect that a lot of fans will be different on that. Uh, Hoybier keep, Benton Kerr keep, Skip keep. Kane, Son, and uh, Kulusevski keep. Lucas, I think we settled on keeping him, didn't we, in the end, because yep. the manager likes him. And so sales, Austin, Whiteman, that's probably one or t'other, isn't it? Yep. Um, depending on incomings. Carter Vickers, Region, yep. Winks, Lo Celso, and Dembele, Bergwin. So again, really, you're only looking at Region and Bergwin, who have really featured under Conte. So although we're saying it's quite a long list, actually, they're not really players who are featuring. Uh, loans, we've got Rodon, Jaffet, Saar, Hill, and Clark. So there we go. I think of quite a few of the sales, there are ones that you think you will get live bids for, isn't it, when it comes to Reggie and Bergwin. And uh, obviously CCV will definitely be going, which is good news. I mean, it's slightly ironic now that the kind of balancing act when it comes to yeah. finances is a little bit more fluid than it ever used to be. So, um, Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd expect... Carter Vickers, I think, is it, is it is it five or six million rising to ten if he goes to Celtic? Yeah, Reggie, you'd probably expect to get about you know somewhere in the region of twenty million for him. I would have thought Winks possibly well, something can similar. I ask, can I ask you? Well, well, Winks is apparently twenty million, and the and and Crystal Palace have been sniffing around quite heavily. I think they're quite keen on him, and I think it's the wages that are proving to be an issue there. But I'm sure that'll get resolved somehow. Um, but let me ask you about Reggie because we really haven't spoken much about him, and it, it might be one of the the last players we talk about tonight. I don't know, but you know, would we would we be that bummed out if Reggie stuck around? I mean, we wouldn't really, would we? I mean, do we think that there's a player there who can improve next season, or are we too concerned about his injury record? Um, I'd, I'd be concerned about how he's adapted to the position. Um, when Conte came in, I thought he'd be pretty much a natural for a wing back, but it hasn't worked out that way. Um, 
the, my other understanding is is that uh, the fee for him is due this summer. So that seems like quite a good time to sell him. If we haven't paid for him yet, then effectively yeah. we've got a two-year loan for nothing. So, right. uh, yeah, I'd be inclined to sell. And uh, if Cessnion is the preferred understudy, he's not going to get many minutes. Um, and has the Madrid buyback thing, has that died to death? Has that kind of gone a bit quiet? Because everyone kept saying it looked like Madrid were certainly gone quiet, is not it? Yeah. yeah. But I don't think there'll be any shortage of takers. He's a good player. He's just no. not very well yeah. suited to what we want to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think the frustration with him will be that he's a natural left back and he looked like he was going to be a very, very good left back. And if in 12 months or 18 months down the line, we that then no longer have Conte and we have a manager who wants to play with a back four, then he's probably going to be one of the best ones in Europe who we've just let go. But as I said, I, I think everything that we're doing now is about the here and now. It's not thinking two years down the line. So I think on that on that basis, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if he was still in the squad at the start of next season. But I, th- I think he's a, a saleable asset. So I think that brings us to a conclusion, chaps. And it's been an interesting conversation because these things that I mean, there are a lot of clear decisions, but some of them are not, and so much of it does. Um, revolve around how we view Antonio Conte's tenure with us, how long it's going to be, how short it's going to be, what his levels of trust are, what they're not. Um, I think we found a very happy medium there in our squad analysis. And I hope that, uh, I hope that you all agree out there that, that are listening. So chaps, uh, if there's any final thoughts, um, one positive, <laughs> one negative. No, sorry. <laughs> of if there's any final thoughts, speak now or forever um, hold your squad piece. Sorry. It looks like a resounding, I've tapped myself out on the talking about whether we should sell Brian Hill or loan him. Uh, thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And of course, uh, I'm sure our listeners will be very eager to tell us in early August what we got right and what we got wrong, won't they? So. I hope they are, and I hope you're listening. And do feel free to find us on social media and let us know both what you thought of our squad analysis and to come back in uh, August and tell us what we got wrong. So we'll be back next week and throughout the summer with a weekly dose of Spurs-related chat. Uh, As we've been saying, episodes might come out on different days over the summer or come in clusters as we take advantage of not having to fit episodes around matches. Please subscribe to The Game Is About Glory on your favourite pod platform to make sure that you don't miss any of this wonderful action and whilst you are there leave us a five star review as always thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week